Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM 87.6, or 8 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, positively different radio in the morning and you're with the double L team this morning, Lyle and... Lawson! Lawson, it's good to have you on the show again. Of course, Gemma is away at the moment, so Lawson is here, which is yes. just amazing. Yes, I am. Back in the back in the driver's seat again, Lawson. Mm-hmm. I'm stoked. I'm I'm so stoked. I'm so happy. I was it was it was nostalgic, nearly. You know, waking up to my alarm early. You know, five thirty. It's like wow, bringing back the memories. Walking into the studio, <laughs> like I was here a week ago. <laughs> and I walked in. and I was like, man, this place is so clean. Things have changed. <laughs> but- <laughs> when, when, when you walk in and suddenly the place is cleaner than it was. Anyway, we won't go there. I don't know. Are you trying to implicate me somehow? Because it sounds like it. <laughs> me? Never. Why would I just... I would never think it. Dream of it. Hey, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh, man. Okay. I am thankful for so many things. I'm going to talk about it in the next section. Oh, really? That big? Yeah. It's just... God, okay, okay, okay. Just I'm so gonna, good. I'm going to show you a photo. I'm going to show you what I'm thankful oh, for. Oh, he's right? about to show me a photo. Here I we go. Am. I am thankful this morning for my car. Oh, right. surprise. <laughs> yes. But, okay, so I filled it up in Brisbane. Uh-huh. Went to see my son, filled up my car in Brisbane. Uh-huh. And then drove home. Uh-huh. And then I filled it up in uh, Head and Greta near Maitland. Uh-huh. Which was the next time I filled it up. Check it out. That's how much fuel I used right there. Brisbane to home. That's... That's amazing. 26.26 litres, costing me $36.21. That is so good. That is so... (laughs) pretty epic. Good. My car is kind of tiny and small. Yeah. And uh, gutless, but... It, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Cheap I love it. I remember, man, back when I used to drive a Jimny, it was the same thing. It's uh-huh. like just, uh-huh. oh, I, 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 I long for those days. Let's- this is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Okay, so coming up in today's news. We're going to be talking about alcohol, of course, some horrific uh, things taking place over the weekend in relationship to alcohol, along mm. with uh, coronavirus once again. Alas, and did my Saviour bleed? Did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head someone such as I? At the cross, at the cross Where I first saw the light The burden of my heart rolled away And it was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day Was it for Christ that I have done? He Oh, I 
You're listening to Anna Weather Up with At The Cross to wake us up all here this morning in the breakfast show. I trust you're all ready. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm on the the ball here. He's ready to just blaze away this morning. Okay, what have we got for our quiz? All right, what book am I? So, 166, here we go. Here we go. The word saviour is found more here than in any other book in the New Testament. I have no idea. I have zero idea. Oh, should I take a stab? Yeah, do it. Just do it. Just send it. Ah, uh, no, nah, you're wrong. I'm wrong. You're wrong. No, well, why not? But that's all right, because that means the double prize is up for grabs this morning. So if you call 1-800-324-843, you'll get not one, but two prizes. Completely for free, of course, considering that you know the answer to this quiz but we'll have more clues coming up in the um i was about to say in the future times i'm like oh that's not how words work <laughs> in, <laughs> coming in the next up segment. soon in the next segment <laughs> all right wow oh okay positively mm, different what should i talk about first all right i'm gonna talk oh, i'm gonna talk about this story and then i'm gonna talk about what i'm grateful for and then maybe come back to another story okay okay cool. let's have it okay i just this is the best. I saw the best thing this morning. So, um, firefighters from Coachella, California, successfully cut um, open um, a rim that had a dog's head stuck inside of it. A rim? Yes. Like as in a car Yes. Rim? Are you ready to see this photo? Oh, okay. Yep, 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 yep. Man. Uh-huh. So, it's like your standard uh, Sunraysia kind of uh, style rim. Yes. With a tyre on it. Uh-huh. And it looks like an Australian cattle dog. Yeah, an Australian cattle cal- dog. his uh, head stuck in the centre of it. It wasn't on a vehicle, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the part where it goes over the hub, say on a four-wheel drive where you've got a hub, mm-hmm. uh, the part that goes over that hub, the dog, he, he's put his head in there and uh, he's not going to back out. So. <laughs> He is stuck. He is stuck. There's like a little video as well where they've got like um, this drill and they've like cut the thing out. But oh man, it was just the funniest. I just saw that photo. Okay, so why why didn't they just drown the dog with olive oil and then slide him out? They tried. Oh, they tried. In the video, they've like got all this olive oil and detergent and they're like trying to pull him out. And that ain't going to happen. It's just not. He's just, he's full on stuck. To (laughs) to the point where like that's it. They got like, they had, I think they had like, yeah, a drill and a hacksaw. And they just hacked away at this rim until, like, they cut... They literally cut the rim in nearly in half to get the dog's head out. It was wild. <laughs> it was wild. Was like, <laughs> what oh, was that dog thinking? Man. How did he actually manage to... Yeah, that's... You know, theoretically, if your head can go through one way, it can go through. Yeah. But this is the thing, is that, like, think about a, a dog's head is probably, like, shaped like a cone, right? Is it Starting well, like an arrow head, like a broad head. Yeah. So that means, like, if you hit it with enough velocity, you could squeeze through, but you couldn't come back out the other way. What was this dog doing? I know that's my question. This is this is what I'm how sitting here he his head thinking. I'm like, in there. how does the dog? How did so this the, happen? Sounds like the kind of thing that my dog would do. Oh, yeah. this would be a good idea. I'll put my head in here. Oh, I'm stuck now. What am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's just. It was just awesome. Like they had, you know, they talked to the owner, and, and that's the owner doesn't even know. The owner yeah, was would, like, "Oh yeah," because it has like multiple dogs. This is a three-month-old puppy, by the way. Yeah, yeah. and it's like Cute they're knows. just out with the dogs. They're all running around, and then all of a sudden they hear a yelp, and it was like, "Oh well, you know, this one's got its head stuck in a rim, 
And um, so you call the fire brigade. Yeah, call the fire brigade. Call the fire brigade. <laughs> oh, so good. I, I think that's awesome. Okay. I, I dialed triple zero on the weekend oh, for yeah? the first time ever in my life. What happened? I'll tell you about it in the next section. Oh, yeah. Oh, never go. ever have I dialed triple zero before. It was a unique experience, dude. Neither. I, I'm a lot younger. I've been in lots of ambulances. It just wasn't me that trialed. Dial triple zero, but still does it on your behalf. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you're the one in the ambulance, I think <laughs> you're struggling to call the ambulance. Okay, oh yeah, okay. I want to talk about some stuff. Um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about basically in the last time I, I was on radio, I disclosed, I let everyone know that I had just done a test to get into uni. Yes! I had just done this test. It was, a, it was what's called the Mature Age Student Test, which is an entry exam um, that consisted of Cause, like... Because you might not know this, but you probably do, that Lawson is a year nine kind of dropout. Yeah, year, <laughs> year nine dropout. So, um, yeah, basically, I, wanted, I, I felt called to go to, to university to go and get my degree in ministry and theology. I was super very nervous and worried about it because of that fact and I was like you know I'm going to have to jump through hoops and basically go on academic probation and do a bunch of extra classes yeah I was like please you know help me I, that was the thing is I did this test I didn't really talk about it much when I like did the test and when I was talking about it last on radio because I was you know keeping my cool I didn't want to get overconfident but while I was doing the test I was just praying a lot and I felt like I had a handle on it I was like yeah like I, I know what's going on I know I know the answer to these questions I I you know the writing task I felt good and whatnot um and so I was just awaiting the results and basically how the results work is that if I was just like, if, you know, if you fail the test, then they don't give you an offer. If you pass the test with decent marks, then they offer you to go into general studies um, to do a bridging course, which can be six months, but sometimes like up to a year if you need to do a cert four. Um, or they will, if you do really good on the test, if you do well enough, they offer you to go straight into the degree. Um, and yeah, bear in mind, like I have a year nine education. And I was super worried, man. I've never been n- more nervous for anything in my life. I had like just butterflies big time. Um, but anyways, I went to summer camp and had an amazing time. And um, yeah, I did worship with um, the kids in my cabin that I was looking after. Um, and finished up worship and pulled out my phone and I had an email from Avondale. I was like, do oh, I read this or oh, do I not read this? Oh, man. I have to read this, but I don't want to read this. Yeah, yeah, that's basically <laughs> where I was at. And I opened the email and that's the thing. I didn't know what to expect. I had no frame of reference in the test. I'm like, did I fail? Did I pass? And yeah, open the email. It's like, here is your provisional letter of offer. We want you to start in semester one for your degree in ministry and theology. And yeah. That was it, basically. Just smashed it. So yeah, um, just smashed it. I got the res- Go Lawson. I got the results back for the test. Um, I like was in the top ten percent of everyone who's ever done the test. I was like, yes. dang, okay, <laughs> which was which was pretty cool. And um, honestly, like this is the thing. I was like, I make the joke. I'm like, I've just proven you don't even need to go to school. <laughs> you can, but no, I think what it really is is like you just need to follow the Lord. Like absolutely, really, like. All of my experience in that, and it's not only been that I've passed that test, but just over the last month, I've just been really blessed with, um, 
you know, a place to to worship and be a student pastor at um, this year with the the Newcastle Uni Church plant. Um, I've been really blessed with Which finances. Has been postponed by two oh, weeks. For coronavirus. We're about to we're about to hear about we're about to hear. Lyle's about to tell us about it. Um, but um, yeah, you know, I've been really blessed with finances. Not only I talked about an insurance payout that I got last time I was on radio, but also like I'm getting paid out all my holiday from, you know, working here at the conference, which basically gives me a wage until uni starts. Like, oh, man, God has this blessed so much. And that's honestly been because, like, yeah, I just pray. This is fantastic because I can remember times when, you know, you were first starting out in Bible work and you were so poor that you could barely even, you know, <laughs> barely even scratch yourself, so to speak. <laughs> and, um, you know, stuck on the side of the road, running out of fuel. Yeah. Stuck somewhere, got no fuel to get home, no money, super discouraged. You know, has God left me? Has God forgotten about me? All this kind of stuff. Why am I being treated this badly? And, you know, um, you've grown from those experiences. Yeah, I you've learned to trust God and God has come through for you and you can praise God for that. And, you know, Amen. here's the thing. You're going to go through more of those mm. because that's life and you're going to go through bigger ones. But God uses these initial ones when we're young to build our faith in him and mm. to uh, build that faith-based resilience mm. so that you will have the strength to handle whatever the devil tries to try at you. And I think... That's the most amazing thing is that everything with uni could have gone wrong. Like I could have failed the test. I could have no money. I could be stuck on the side of the road. I could, you know, have no future. And and even though like there is definitely things that I could do, but everything that I had set out to do could have failed. And in that moment, I could have been like, you know, I fully have the opportunity to say, no, this is God's leading and and to be grateful. But it's just one of those situations where, yeah, it's taken an an awesome turn for the best. And it's like everything has worked out and I can just see so clearly that God is working in that situation. So, yeah, I I just implore anyone, just pray. If you have plans for your life, just pray and ask God to be with you and he will sort it out. This is The Corner Room with Psalm 127. Jesus. 
back, guys. That was the corner room with Psalms 127. You are listening to The Breakfast Show, and Lawson is about to give you the next clue for our quiz. Lawson, what have you got for us there? What book am I? What book am I? Quote, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town. Hmm. I'm gonna go with Yeah, I don't feel good about it. No, it's not right. I know it's not right. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Okay, double prize is still available. One eight hundred three two four eight four three. You can get those. Law, what's happening around the world? Current news. Okay, so this current news is um is related to a very big news story, but mm. it's um, well. I'm going to talk about alcohol. Yes, let's just let's just talk about alcohol. We have had the most horrific tragedy this weekend as a result of alcohol. Mm. Um, needless deaths of four young kids, all from one family. Three of them, uh, brothers and sisters, and one of them a cousin. It is hard to imagine, it, you know, as a parent, I just cannot wrap my mind around that kind of tragedy when your kids just walk down the street to grab an ice cream and then they're gone forever. Mm. In, in a just a terrible, terrible, needless, and it's the needlessnesses of it, the, it's the pointlessness of it. You know, alcohol is a curse to our world. Alcohol does absolutely nothing positive whatsoever at all mm. it just doesn't there's nothing positive about alcohol and so um it just yeah it just staggers the imagination that someone would get behind the wheel of a vehicle when they uh, when they are drunk like that and of course you know this young guy is 29 years old his life is over mm. uh he's been charged with you know four counts of manslaughter four counts of dangerous driving causing death and uh, another 12 offences. Mm. He's going to be locked up for a very, very long time. He was three times over the legal limit. Of course, this took place in um, Oatlands near Parramatta, Sydney. Uh, for those of you who are from other parts of the country, just to get a little bit of geography around that. Of course, it's, it's, um, you know, I think it's going to hit national news quite heavily, but here in New South Wales, it's hitting very heavily indeed. Saturday night, I was visiting my son mm. in Queensland and after leaving him, I'm following this car down the road, mm. uh, a dark red maroon Ford Focus and it is all over the road. Mm. They, you know, they, 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 they're repeatedly hitting the curb on the left-hand side and then you come to a section of the road where there's cars parked on the left-hand side and this car's driving with no headlights on, and it's driving at, you know, about 40, 50 kilometers an hour straight at this line of parked cars. And you sort of, you hold your breath and you hold back because you know it's just going to be carnage spread all over the road in the next second. And then they swerve, and they cross the road and hit the curb on the right-hand side. And then they swerve back again, and then there's a gap in the cars that are parked, and they're lining up for the next row of parked cars. And once again, your mouth, your heart is in your mouth, and you're like, what is about to happen right here? Mm. Um, meanwhile, I've dialed triple zero for the first time in my life yeah, wow. ever, 
And of course, I'm in Brisbane, so I don't know. I have no idea where I am or what suburb I'm in or anything like that. Mm. And I'm like, because the triple zero, like, where are you? I'm like, um, Brisbane, <laughs> which was a bad thing to say because then the coppers came all the way from Brisbane. Um, then the, the, the then they they, uh, they so they 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 swerve, miss the next line of cars. Still heading down the road. Um, they hit the curb a couple more times on the left-hand side, hit a street sign that's on the left-hand side. You know, smash, you can hear it. Uh, still driving, um, going onto the on-ramp for the freeway and come to a red light and stop for the red light, unlike um, the guy down in Sydney. Stop for the red light, and but parked on the, on the median strip with you know, half the car up on the median strip. Mm. Headed up the on-ramp and... There was a pedestrian walking up the on ramp, uh-huh. and I don't know how he was missed. But I'm following this car. By this stage, I've got the message through to the police. They're sort of hung up, like, "Yeah, we'll send somebody out to." Uh, I was like, "You know, heading south on the Pacific Motorway, um, etc." They're like, "Yep, we'll send someone." And uh, so, so, so I'm driving down the road, and the next thing, I'm following this car. The next thing, because the police called me back and said, "You know, can you can you talk us into it?" You know. To whereabouts they are, so I'm sort of like, okay, they're going past this exit, past this exit, mm. etc., that kind of stuff, and um, and so they just sort of kept me on the line as they as the, as they came through. But as I'm following this car, the front left hand tire catches fire. Oh, okay. So obviously, when they've hit the curb, they've they've popped the tire off the bead. Mm. So they're driving on a flat tire, and they are so drunk they have no idea they're driving on a flat tire. I'm 100 metres back because I'm hanging back because I'm thinking something bad is going to happen here mm. and I don't want to get caught in the debris. Yeah. So I'm hanging back <clears throat> and I'm choking on the smoke coming from this tyre and they are so drunk they have no idea their car is on fire. Mm. Right? So I'm following them about 100 kilometres down the road, down the freeway, you know, between 90 and 100 kilometres with the speed they're averaging and this tyre is on fire and there's just smoke pouring out of it and the next minute... The entire tire, the whole tire just comes off the rim and heads for the bush. <laughs> this is like, shoom. And so now they're driving on their rim. Yeah. And they're so drunk, they have no idea that they're driving on their rim. Now, I, when I said Brisbane, I didn't know what suburb I was in, so they came all the way from Brisbane, which meant that it took them about 10 minutes to catch up to this car down the freeway, right? So mm. I'm following this car for about 10 minutes. They're driving on their rim. You know, the sound, the noise that is coming off that rim as it's just roaring down the road. Mm. And I've just put my hazard lights on. Another driver has seen what is happening. And so we just sort of sat side by side behind them, hung back about 100 metres with our hazard lights on to try and push, you know, all of the traffic into the far lane as they were coming past because I'm thinking they're just going to swerve in front Mm. of the truck here any second. And eventually the uh, police caught up. Mm. Pulled them over and uh, left that um, to the, for the police. It turned out it was uh, a woman who was, um, you know, high range drink drink driving, and, mm. and you know, it just makes you stop and think. It was it was definitely a shot of adrenaline for me mm. and for old mate who was the other um, civilian like myself who recognised what was happening. He actually being braver than me, he pulled right up beside her and try and tell her to move over, and I was like, I'm not getting that close. <laughs> I'm just bad things are going to happen if you get that close to that particular vehicle right there because they have no control over what mm. they're doing. And he hadn't seen what had happened earlier on. He just sees that this person is driving on their rim. 
mm. and uh, didn't realize just how incapacitated, truly incapacitated they were. But, you know, it just makes you stop and think, what good thing comes from alcohol? Yeah. What you know, the, when the Bible says that you know that that it's 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 just a deceiver, mm. and that you shouldn't even look at it, an, a beverage when it becomes alcoholic. The Bible knows what it's talking about. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this coronavirus scare as well, and of course, your church plant just got postponed by a fortnight because of coronavirus. Mm. And you look at you look back, and this is one of the, the the amazing things about the Bible. If you look back over the uh, the last you know couple of decades, I guess of the big the big pandemics that have hit the world, and you've got uh, you know mad cow disease, HIV AIDS, NH1H, mm. uh, N1H1, sorry, uh, Ebola, SARS, MERS, Zika, Corona. The only one of those viruses that I can figure out that would actually exist if people followed the Bible is Zika. Mm. The Bible, if you follow the Bible, none of those diseases would exist. Wow. Or it would be extremely unlikely that any of them would exist, mm. because all of these, um, you know, coronavirus comes from you know, eating snakes, not necessarily eating the snake, but from a market where they are selling snakes to eat, mm. or bats, or something else similar. Uh, MERS from camels and bats, SARS from bats and cats, uh, Ebola from bats and monkeys, um, N1H1 from uh, pigs. Um, mad cow disease from, well, from uh, eating brains, amongst other things. <laughs> um, and so the simple reality is, is is that if people followed the Bible, there is nothing to fear from these diseases and they simply would not exist. End of story. Yeah, you wow. Know, because we keep them for, you know, we keep these animals for uh, cultivation. Anyway, the Bible is wonderful. There was a man, they called him Jesus. What the shores of Galilee healed the sick and calmed the waters, made the blinded eye to see, raised the dead and cleansed the leper, had the power to set men free. But best of all, he went to Calvary, let it die for you and me. That I could have been with him when he stepped out on the sea and heard him say to Simon Peter, Come, my son, and follow me. Will soon the dawn will break around us, and his face we shall behold. Oh, what a time we'll have together, shouting down. Streets 
sing. I want to sing. I want to shout. To heal the world. I want to tell. I want to tell the world about His love. I want to walk, walk like Jesus. I want to talk, talk like Jesus. I want to be. I want to be just like my Lord. Walk like Jesus. Talk like Jesus. I want to be just like my Lord. Just like my Lord. I want to help, help my neighbor. I want to see. I want to shout. To heal the world. I want to tell. I want to tell the world about His love. I want to walk, walk like Jesus. I want to talk, talk like Jesus. I want to be. I want to be just like my Lord. Just like my Lord. That was the Emmanuel Quartet with I Want to Be Like My Lord. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Lawson is about to give us a clue for our quiz before we head into the interview of the day. Lawson. Next clue. Right. What book am I? Quote, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. If you know what book that is, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 0491-064-669. Double prizes available. Oh, I still doesn't know. What book am I? Still doesn't know. Joining us on the phone this morning is Dr. John Ashton. Uh, John, welcome to the show. Oh, hello. Great to have you on the show again this morning. And, of course, we have been uh, working through your book over, well, about the last year, really, um, which is called Evolution Impossible, 12 Reasons Why Evolution Cannot Explain the Origin of Life on Earth. I would encourage anybody who is, uh, any of our listeners this morning, this is an, uh, one of the very best books I've ever read on the subject of evolution. I would encourage you to uh, jump online and look for 12 Reasons Why Evolution Cannot Explain the Origin of Life, Dr. John Ashton, Evolution Impossible. John, we've come to the last chapter, chapter 14, which really is somewhat of a summary. And I thought, you know, we've been going through this subject now on a monthly basis. And so, yeah, I've kind of forgotten where we started. I think it would be a good opportunity to go back and and, uh, and look at it. You know some of the uh, salient points that have uh, come up as we've worked our way through this um, material. Yeah, sure. Hmm. Okay, so where do we start in summarising these twelve reasons for rejecting evolution? Hmm. Well, I think Darwin made a, a basic assumption, and that is that he had observed that. Um, in his breeding of um, different animals and particularly birds and this sort of thing, that there were mutations. And when he, you know, travelled around the world and there's a classic case of when he was on the Galapagos Islands and also on the island of um, off, uh, Africa there, he noticed that there were wingless beetles. And, and, um, and so he assumed that the mutations were responsible for producing all the different forms of life and that there was a very simple form of life initially and that as a result of mutations, all the different forms of life uh, came to be. Um, but we now know that mutations don't produce 
new types of organisms. Sure, they can produce, you know, slightly deformed, you know, body parts and, and these sort of things. And like in the case of, um, they can change the colour of fur. They can, we have the case of, um, you know, Darwin's wingless beetles and we have blind fish and blind, um, you know, other animals sort of thing where they've lost their sight. But one of the things that has come out since Darwin's time is that we understand that how uh, our form exists is it's all part of a, a code, DNA, that co- encodes the processes whereby uh, an egg uh, or a, a small seed actually then develops and forms the various parts of what it is meant to be, whether it's a mammal or a bird or a fish or a plant, flower, tree, this sort of thing. And we know that the code to make all that part, we call it DNA. And we now know that that code is extremely complex. Uh, the, the codes um, are huge in terms of the amount of letters that are required in the code, the chemical letters, that we abbreviate A, C, T, and G, pardon me, and that uh, these chemicals, uh, these four chemical compounds that encode all this information, um, we require millions of these particular letters to encode that information. Now, mutations occur as a result of chemical reactions. We now know that the chemical reactions that change the order or destroy part of that code don't produce new information. They don't create some new viable form. And the reason for that is the codes are just too complex that they can't form by chance and still work. But what can happen is we can destroy parts of codes. very easy to destroy part of a code and mean that it doesn't work anymore. And so as a result of that, we can, say, lose the code for a particular colour and therefore that colour isn't produced anymore in an animal. Or we can lose the code for a proper wing formation and so a deformed wing is formed. So these sort of mutations occur, but not the mutations that form new types of animals. And so so what we realise now is the total mechanism that Darwin assumed work and would be responsible for evolution actually doesn't happen and can't occur. So if we look at those wingless beetles as an example, uh, my memory of that circumstance was you had beetles on the mainland who had wings, beetles on the island, which was very windy, uh, had no wings. And, of course, all of the ones that had wings had you know tried to fly, got blown off the island. The ones with no wings um, had been able to continue reproducing because they didn't fly, didn't get blown off the island. And so, therefore the loss of information enabled them to survive rather than a gain of information to create a new um, a, a new genetic advantage, so to speak. Yes, exactly. I think you explained it really well then. <laughs> yes, that, that's very good. And I think the other thing that has come to light, the other very important factor that's come to light is that Darwin assumed that the uh, ages of the fossil layers the, where we find the fossils of the ancient creatures were very old. He, so he'd assumed the um, Charles Lyell's um, 
idea uh, that um, you know the these layers uh, that had formed what he called the geological column were millions and millions of years old. And of course, Isle had adopted Hutton's uh, view as another earlier uh, writer that had proposed the very long ages for life on Earth. And of course, there are other scientists that had suggested that earlier as well. But what we now know, of course, is that the surface of the Earth can't be anywhere near that old. From erosion rates, we know the continents would erode away in less than 10 million years. And when we look at a whole lot of other data, the rate at which salt is uh, increasing in the oceans, um, you know, many other things, uh, the rate at which the moon is moving away from the Earth, from the Earth and so forth. We know that the solar system uh, and, the, and the Earth itself, surface of the Earth itself, must be, come, uh, must be much younger. It can't be the billions of, of years uh, old. Um, the Earth's magnetic field, the decline the Earth's magnetic field, all these sort of things, the accumulation of mutations um, in DNA, particularly mitochondrial DNA, uh, from all the data that we're looking at uh, today that we can measure today, we can do very accurate measurements on these things, the rate of decay, the rate erosion rates, sedimentation rates, um, increased genetic decay rates, they all point to very, very recent uh, creation, very, very recent life on Earth. And uh, again, not enough, yeah, not enough time for evolution. Mm. How long before these conclusions and discoveries filter their way through to our textbooks to start training our kids that, yeah, the world is not, it cannot be that old? Yes, well, this is... Um, uh, a, a very, very important question. I notice that there are more leading scientists that are speaking out uh, on this in my book. Of course, I talk about Dr. Um, uh, Avital in uh, Israel, who was actually sacked for, for speaking out and pointing out there are major problems with biology, that there are major problems with evolutionary theory. Um, and this was, you know, only a few years ago. But since that time, we've got other scientists like uh, James Tour come out uh, from Rice University, uh, brilliant scientist that builds molecular machines. And, you know, he's pointed out that in the simplest uh, cell, we have the envelope. And um, for the molecules to actually come together in sufficient quantities and to form the envelope and the way the molecules are arranged in the envelope, they require chemical reactions that we actually can't produce even even in the laboratory, even in the laboratory with the best scientists and the best technology that we have today, we can't assemble molecules in such a way as to simply form the envelope that would form around the cell to protect the mechanisms inside. So here we have some of the world's top scientists now speaking out about this. Um, we also have atheist philosophers pointing out the impossibility of... Um, Evolution, such as uh, uh, Professor Thomas Nagel at the um, uh, University of New York, one of the top philosophers in the world. Uh, and he put, put out his book a few years ago, uh, Mind and the Cosmos, where he argues that, you know, somehow the uni universe must have the properties of a, of a mind. Um, now, he's an atheist. He doesn't want to accept religion, but essentially he's saying all the evidence points to the existence of a supernatural creator because um, 
well, some sort of supernatural intelligence he calls it. He doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to accept the biblical position. But the evidence all points to the biblical position, particularly in terms of design, um, the amazing codes that exist that we know can't form by any natural method. They're supernatural. Life is supernatural. Life on Earth is supernatural. And this is really uh, just good science because it's going where the science leads, where the research leads, rather than going where your ideology um, leads you to go. It's and it's just you know, this is what it reveals. Um, John, what about uh, the recent discovery or somewhat recent discovery now of soft tissue in dinosaur bones? What's what's happening in that area these days? Yes, well, more uh, soft tissue discoveries are, are being made and reported, particularly in the uh, secular literature. And what is fascinating is, of course, that some of these two have been come 14 dating, uh, dated. And, of course, these are giving dates of only thousands of uh, years old or tens of thousands, few tens of thousands of years old, not the tens of millions of years old that they would be conventionally dated. And, of course, we know with carbon-14 dating, too, that um, when we correct for the Earth's magnetic field effects on carbon-14 levels, that they, these ages of, you know, 25,000 years uh, come back to sort of, you know, four or 5,000 years or less. And so, again, well, you know, this is really, really exciting uh, work that is uh, coming out the soft tissues in, in dinosaurs. And there have been, uh, as you say, more reported very recently as well, so they're they're finding that um, this material is is very extensive, and it's powerful evidence that the fossils can't be tens of millions of years old. You can't have proteins, bits of DNA, uh, collagen, these sort of um, long polymer molecules uh, lasting that long. They they break down. These long polymer biomolecules break down quite quite quickly. So, you know, we're, we're getting these really, really exciting discoveries. And I think in my mind, and I was reflecting on this this morning, it points to the soon coming of God. Um, as Jesus returns um, uh, to judge the world, I think we find now that the evidence is becoming overwhelming that God exists. And so there'll be no excuse now for people to not um, believe and, and turn to, to God. And I, I think God has worked out when we look at the resources on, on the earth that there are, we look at the environmental damage that um, humans are, are doing, particularly in cutting down our forests and polluting our oceans, our water supplies, um, and the population continuing to increase. Um, I think this all points to God is going to come to a time when he says enough is enough and he will reveal himself in the coming of Jesus. And I think science is powerfully pointing to this time. Do you think that, do you, do you see science um, increasing the, you know, as, as it heads down this path of recognizing, you know, this uh, supernatural influence on our earth, do you see it increasing the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Sorry, I missed that. Yeah, do you see do you see knowledge, you know, pointing us to an increase oh, of knowledge well, no. of Jesus Christ? Yeah, I know. Okay, so I, unfortunately, I think what we live we're living in this post um, uh, Christian era um, where people, you know, don't um, 
you know, has a lot of negative connotations about um, uh, God. But I tell you something really interesting that um, some years ago, a sociologist who worked at both Oxford University and Cambridge University by the name of J.D. Umwin did a study of 85 cultures around the world in terms of their sexual morality. And what he found was this, that those cultures that um, uh, carried out uh, sexual abstinence before marriage and then monogamy with marriage, in other words, not polygamy and these things, uh, that those cultures were the most advanced cultures in terms of art, um, science, architecture, uh, culture, in all different ways. They were the most superior cultures and the most successful cultures. And that the more sexual permissiveness in a culture, the um, the less successful that culture was in long term. And the most sexually permissive cultures lasted no more than three generations before they were taken over by another culture. Uh, we have experienced, and one of the consequences was that sexually permissive cultures lost their ability to reason. And I think this is exactly what we are observing in Western cultures today. As Western cultures began the sexual revolution in the late 1960s and began to promote sexual permissiveness, then what has happened is we've got into this post-Christian era where we have relativism and all this sort of thing. What is truth? There's no absolutes anymore. And we have sort of crazy laws um, being passed by uh, governments that people can come along and nominate which particular sex they are, irrespective of their reproductive organs and so forth. And this is the craziness that has come about. Now, this was actually predicted by this guy when he did his research. It was published back in the mid-1930s, where he studied 85 cultures around the world. And he, he said that that was observed what is happening, what happened. And we're observing that very same thing that he predicted in Western cultures today. So again, I see the things that the Bible set out, even in terms of morality, biblical morality is now being confirmed by science as the best way for society to um, exist and have maximum happiness. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, you know, as we go, as more scientific research is done in from every aspect that we look at, from sociology to, you know, geology and so forth and physics and study of the universe, it's all pointing to the accuracy of the Bible and, and also that God's law is the best um, guide for mankind, for, for happiness and for survival. Mm. John, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith Heaven this morning. We look forward to going through a new series with you in the in the uh, in this new year as we continue to look at uh, subjects of evolution and creation. Um, really appreciate your insights. This is Carter and Carter with somebody bigger than you and I.
in the starry sky. Somebody bigger than you and I. Who makes the flowers bloom in the spring? Who writes the song for the robin to sing? And who? Sends the rain when the earth is dry. Somebody bigger than you and I. He lights the way when the road is long. He keeps you company. And with his love to guide you, he walks beside you, just like he walks with me. When I am weary, filled with despair, who gives me courage? That will never die. Somebody bigger than you and I. To Faith FM, positively different radio. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au 